0: Now, here comes today's powerful word, it is your word, so grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed.
1: So I'm dealing with, I will build my church. So I have four, four major areas I'm touching. Four major areas. Number one, I'll give you uh, something—just brief introductions on what the kingdom is. Number two, the church. Number three, let's answer the debate. Should you have a kingdom mindset or a church mindset, and what's the difference? Number four, what are the types of church members we have? Okay, so I'll be presenting, and our theme for the year is doctrine and life. So firstly, I want us to start with the kingdom, and I want us to look at Luke chapter 17, verse 20 to 21. Now, the kingdom is not something I can take five minutes to teach. The kingdom is not something I can take five minutes to teach. It's something that would take a very long time. But for now, I'm introducing us. So Luke 17, verse 20. The Bible says, when he was asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. They say, see here or see there, for indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, if you want to know more about the kingdom of God, I'll be teaching a bit more on the kingdom of God at Dominion Conference 2023 Mulungushi Conference Center Now, I want us to understand but maybe let me just give us a brief picture When you see the scriptures, you notice a description of a place called the kingdom of heaven and then you notice sometimes the word that is used is the kingdom of God So there is the kingdom of heaven and there is the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, although talking about similar things, are actually not the same. And if you've studied your history, you can easily understand the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Even if you just look at our human history. How many of you know that there is a difference between the country England, for example, and the British Empire? So England is a specific place. But then the British Empire would expand beyond that territory into other territories which were claimed. And even today, there are still territories like, if I'm not mistaken, Gibraltar, right? Gibraltar, which is near... Gibraltar should be near Spain, if I'm not mistaken. It's a British territory, not so. So meaning, if you're in Gibraltar, then you're British, but you're not from England. Don't worry, we are going on. And also, there are certain countries that have, to an extent, they pay allegiance to the territory of Britain, right? For example, if you're in Australia, the prime minister of Australia pledges allegiance to the Queen of England, now the King of England. Canada as well. Guys, do you read? Do do, do, do we read history? Like, just for fun, do you go and read history? Okay, so now, Zambia used to be called what? Northern Rhodesia. So by then, we were a territory of Britain, but we were not Britain. We were not British. And then when you go and occupy another territory, what's the first thing you want to do? First thing you want to do is get their allegiance to your leader. So meaning, your queen becomes their queen. So you start naming things. You are now Victoria you are you now this, you are now this, you are now this. And the next thing you want to do is to get your language to become their language. So now, I'm in primary school years later, and I was not even allowed to speak a word in Nyanja or Bemba, because you're only considered smart if you could speak English, do you remember? You're only considered smart if you could speak English. Why? Because they colonized us. So you, have you ever heard a person saying, ah I want to date that girl. The way she speaks her bimba. <laughs> you never hear that. But you be, eh, Have you heard an accent? That, why? Because we were colonized. Whether you like it or not, we were colonized. <laughs> I can give you further examples, but I don't want to get too, you know, but I can give you further examples. But that that the example I was going to give would sound a bit radical. But what I'm trying to even like let's say myself, right? If I came to church to preach to you guys and I came in a robe, sometimes I do wear a prestige gown and people go, hmm. Now if I came here and I preached in a robe, people would be like those they would start calling me a propheta." And they would say those are churches for false prophets. Why is it a church for a false prophet? Because the pastor is in a robe. Now, Jesus didn't wear a suit. Jesus wore a robe. So in short, if I was to come dressed the way Jesus was dressed, my message is a chance it wouldn't be accepted by some. If I comb my hair up to here, <laughs> or if I braided my hair like Samson, Samson's hair was braided, right? So if I came to church and I've braided my hair, Someone would think, this pastor is not serious because his hair is braided. What makes you think the pastor is not serious because his hair is braided? Because of the culture. And where did we get this culture from? How we were colonized. It's had a a huge influence on it. Am I getting you thinking? Should I come with braided hair to prove a point? My wife is giving me a look. <laughs> My wife feels as if she's the one who received the phone calls. <laughs> Anyways, just know if I'm invited to another country. <laughs> and I tell you guys to tune in. <laughs> we'll just be sure we're now inviting the pastor from Zambia. <laughs> And you'll be surprised. I'll just come, hallelujah, we praise the Lord. As though nothing happened. Afterwards, I'll put my hair back to the way it was and I'll come back to Zambia and not talk about it. As though nothing happened. As though nothing happened. I'll never post a photo. As though nothing happened. Okay, let's continue. But what I'm trying to say now, the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven is the territory of heaven. So when the territory of heaven The territory of heaven is within the kingdom of God. Then the kingdom of God is everywhere where God has domain. Wherever God has dominion, that's the kingdom of God. So that is why when Jesus came, he came with a message that the kingdom of heaven was expanding. And in the territory of expanding, guess what? The kingdom of God within which the kingdom of heaven is could now be in you will understand that, will go detail step by step, don't worry. So meaning, if the kingdom of God wants to expand to a level where it has George, then the moment George confesses Jesus as Lord, he's pledging allegiance to the king of heaven. Meaning the kingdom of God can now expand and has got a new territory called George. That's how the kingdom of God works. That is why in the scriptures we've read, Jesus is not saying like, one day you walk and you'll find this place within the kingdom and then we'll all enter. Which now leaves a serious problem because you'll find, if you're following a lot of social commentary, and I can't comment on that because Paul used to comment on things that used to happen. You know, Paul is radical. I was reading his writings. He writes to the Corinthian church and he even tells them who told him the rumor. <laughs> He's like, Chloe. Chloe, and now you can imagine Chloe is there and they're reading the letter. <laughs> and the letter is saying, Chloe told me that one, two, three, has been saying one, two, three. This is my response. So meaning there's, we have to confront these matters, right? So there's this talk that goes on saying, the problem with some of you is that you just think church, it's not about being in the church, it's about being in the kingdom. Now the challenge is, there's no room called the kingdom. Don't bring people to your church, bring them to the kingdom. Where is it? How you take them there? How you know they've reached? I'll tell you something. Okay. If you're dealing, let's say, with a televangelist, right? Let's say here's a televangelist. Uh one of the televangelists I wrote, I watched, I've watched a lot, let's say, it's Pastor Benihin. So a televangelist is speaking on TV, and then he leads people in a prayer of salvation. And then he says, find a Bible-believing church. You can understand. Especially that a lot of them may not have branches everywhere. And they're believing God that the Holy Spirit will give grace for you to find a Bible-believing church. Here I am. I've invited you. I call an auto call, and you come to the front. And afterwards I tell you, find a Bible-believing church. That's careless of me. How can I be right in front of you With the tools to help you. And then I expect you, a baby in Christ, to be able to discern which one is a Bible believing church and which one isn't. I've done that before, especially when I started out and I lost some people who fell in the hands of very careless people who didn't care about them as much as they did. I've done that before where I was a bit careless because I just thought, let's just support everyone. Little did I know that when it comes to the kingdom, it's about your own fruitfulness. The Bible says, you did not call me, but I called you that you may bear fruit and that your fruit may last. So in the the kingdom mindset is really a mindset of fruitfulness. But that's something we'll talk about soon because we will dissect the kingdom as a church. So the kingdom of God is within you. Let's continue. Give me the next slide, please. Romans 14, verse 17. I've gone to slide nine, by the way. Just flow with me. For the kingdom of God... It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that's something that I will explain later. Let's look at the church. So the kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is Lord. Wherever Jesus has domain, that's the kingdom of God. And then the governor whom he sends is the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He channels their allegiance to the king. And the other thing he does, he changes your language. Why do you think you speak in tongues? <laughs> okay. Let's go. So, now let's look at the church. Because I want us to marry the two. Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. We find a very interesting scripture. Now, do you remember this was when Jesus asked, saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Right? And then the response, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say this, some say this. And then Jesus said, what about you? What do you think I am? And then they say, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bajona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Everybody say, I will, I will build my church. Now, the word used for church there is the Greek word ecclesia. You can move to the next side. I know what's on it, I wrote it. So, the word used for church is the Greek word ecclesia. The ecclesia in that day was a council of people who could govern and make decisions. That is why when he tells them, I will build my church, the very next thing he gives them is legal authority. Because he says, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind shall be bound, whatever you loose shall be loosed. Meaning you will have legal territory, legal authority. So there's that word, ecclesia. So ecclesia is a governing council. So I want you to imagine uh, one, two, three, four, stand up. So let's say these were an ecclesia back in the day, right? Come, 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 come. They'll come probably with their chin up and pointed noses. And then they'll come and they'll find a situation. And then together, come come together. And then together, they'll have to start having a panel discussion. They'll have to like have a panel discussion. And whatever they decide about a matter, that is what that matter will be. What are you guys even discussing? (laughs) And (laughs) Take a seat. And the closest example we can give to this now is like a parliament or like a town council meeting. So meaning you and I can gather together, right? We come together and we say, okay guys, today we want to agree over certain matters and want to decide how they should be established. And then when we're done, let's bind it up now. And then let's loose. And then when we bind, heaven binds with us. And when we loose, heaven looses with us. Because we get back in awe. (laughs) I don't know if somebody is following me. (laughs) So that's what an ecclesia is. And he says, I'll build my church. Doesn't it get you thinking why the Bible says about Jesus that the government shall be upon his shoulders? What are his shoulders? Because the Bible says he is the head. And then what are we? We are the body. So where is his government? It's with the church. And you can find that in Ephesians 1. You can find that in Ephesians 3. The day you, dis- the day you learn that, you will learn that binding and loosening is your assignment. Why does God take you to certain areas? Just to go bind and loose. To go decide what should be permitted and to decide what shouldn't be permitted. To go forbid certain things and permit certain things. (laughs) Let's continue. Now, Jesus wanted to establish his own assemblies and congregations that would shake the earth. Now, the question then comes, a kingdom or a church mindset, what are you supposed to have? Now, I'll go into details on what the kingdom is, right? But now, I'm using this also to address a certain culture that sometimes is established where people believe that they can have a kingdom mindset and not be part of a church. Like, I'm just in the kingdom but I'm not part of church. I'm not belonging to an assembly. I'm not belonging to a church. That's not a kingdom mindset because a kingdom is not a democracy. A kingdom is not, I just don't feel like, so I'll be doing it like this because I don't feel like, that's not how a kingdom works. In a kingdom, there is an order and there is a way things should be done. And you do it according to the way the king wants them to be done. Because in a kingdom, your aim is to please your king. Let me mention this. The whole essence of being born again is you being born into the kingdom. When Jesus was talking about being born again, didn't he say, um, haven't I told you that if you are not born of water and of the spirit, you will not enter the kingdom of God. So it's not just about being born again, it's about being born again into something. So you are born into the kingdom of God. Then the kingdom of God has got a way it works. So to please the king, you must do what the king wants and follow the channels which he has established. And one of the ways he's established is he wants his kingdom to work in such a way that it has assemblies. And these assemblies can gather to bind and to loose. That's what he wants. I hope you're hearing me. So some people think having a kingdom mindset means do whatever you want, congregate wherever you want, be led by God only without people. Now that's first is very unbiblical. Any person who claims That they only hear God and not people. And not hearing God. Why do I say so? Because Jesus gives the great commission. And then he says, go make disciples. So who's been given the privilege and the opportunity to make disciples? It's people. Are the people who've been given the privilege to make disciples perfect? No. They've been perfected. But that's the assignment that they've been given. The Holy Spirit wasn't given the assignment to make disciples. He was given the assignment to empower people who make disciples. The Holy Spirit wasn't given that assignment. Angels were not given the assignment to make disciples. Because there's some stuff that they don't know, that they learn from us. You've seen that in the scriptures, not so. We've gone quiet. We've never seen that. Let's go to the scriptures. Let's go to Peter. So if somebody is saying they only hear angels, they don't, they don't learn from people, then their, their hearing will be limited. Let's go to the book of Peter. Oh, boy. <laughs> First Peter 1, verse 10. It will be very limited. First Peter 1, verse 10. You know, there are some... You'll be amazed as we go on. I'll tell you something. There are some things that... Have you ever prayed to God for something? Like, maybe you've had a question. You've been reading the Bible, and then you've had a question over something and you've had a question over it for a very long time, and you've been praying for an answer, and you've never heard it, and then one day you hear somebody talk about it, and within like 30 seconds, what you asked for for 10 years is revealed. That's how he works. Now, Peter is talking about salvation, right? And then he says, of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, for those who are asking about searching prophetically. So of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. So the prophets were trying to understand it. So, when you study in the scriptures, you even notice from their prophecies, there is a way they were trying to understand the grace that would come. Some saw it more clearly. But they were trying to understand this grace that would come. Verse 11. Searching what? (laughs) Or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicated when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Next verse. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So these things were now revealed by people who preached. Then it ends by saying, Things which angels desire to look into. Let me show you another verse that will get you thinking. First Corinthians, is it three? (laughs) Now, that means, ladies and gentlemen, now, am I demeaning angelic experiences? No. But then, okay, First Corinthians 6, verse 1 to 3. There was a challenge in the church. The church was not judgmental enough. (laughs) I said that on purpose. Let me say it again. There was a challenge in the Corinthian church. They were not judgmental enough. They were living things as they are. They were not judging matters. Then look at what Paul said. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 1. He says, dare any of you have an issue against another and you go before... you go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints can we have it guys 1 Corinthians 6 verse 1 so he's saying any of you has an issue against another and you're going before he was saying you're going to court rather than going before the saints now I'm not saying Christians can't sue, I've sued people before It's really like a guy. So. When I deal with that guy. Now, what he's saying is that the church is supposed to reach such a level that before people can even go to court, they can go before the saints. And whatever the saints decide should be as binding. Let's continue. Let's see the reason why. Verse 2. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Then he says, and if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to settle, to judge the smallest matters? Look at the next verse. <laughs> Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more the things that pertain to this life? Have you ever thought about that? Wait, is that getting you thinking? Like we'll actually sit down, they'll come one by one. You and to Ndani? zinakwenda let me not mention any names. It was just like demon. It took 10 seconds longer than. was put. To be fair, we don't know what the judgment will be. But what I'm trying to say is, let's value what God has valued. The biggest thing God has valued and the biggest people God has given an assignment to is men. Why don't we honor that in that way. So just because a person says they hear angels doesn't mean they are right. As a matter of fact, if a person hears angels, they need more mentorship than anybody else. Because we need to judge what they're hearing. The Apostle Paul said, if anyone preaches to you another gospel, even if it's an angel, let them be accursed. So as you grow up in the things of God, you'll not follow a person simply because they've said, I know the Bible says this, but an angel said Oh, I know the Bible says this, but the vision I had saved. I know the Bible says this, but in my encounter. No, 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 (laughs) no. Let me give you a personal example. I had an encounter some years ago where there are three angels that came to see me. And they had a message for me. Now, when they came, I thought they were human beings. But the glory that they were emanating was strong. I was struggling to stand. And then I asked them the serious question you can ask an angel. That's how I knew they were angels. I asked them, which church of you come from? (laughs) And you know what they replied? Bethel. And then they disappeared. Now in the scriptures, do you remember when Jacob had that encounter? Then there was a lander to heaven. And then the place was called Bethel. And there were angels ascending and descending. Now, the interesting part is, in that encounter, one or two, I think there were two angels who, when they spoke to me, they started by revealing their names. I've written that encounter down. I've never shared. Do you know why? Because I've not found in the scriptures any other name apart from Michael, for the archangel, Lucifer. Who is, a, who is a decommissioned angel, and Gabriel. I've not found another name. So I'll not add what I've not found. It's not even necessary. It won't identify the sins. I would rather get the message. And when I got the message, I studied it from the scriptures first. Praise God. So now, a proper kingdom mindset would mean that you prioritize what Jesus wanted. Some people think having a kingdom mindset means do whatever you want, congregate wherever you want, but scripturally that is bad manners. Let's look at the, let's look at Hebrews 10 verse 25. The Bible says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. So some people have this habit where they just forsake the gathering together. They forsake the brethren. Now, as I'm teaching by the way my role as a teacher is to encourage you but also to correct you. And so sometimes some of the things I will say might hit hard. It's okay, let it hit. Praise God. As long as it leads to your edification. There are certain things that become an, uh, there are certain things that become a habit. And one of the bad habits that can be developed is a habit of not congregating together. And the challenge with a habit is that it doesn't always need bad reasons for it to be developed. Let me tell you what I mean. Here is a person who their job demands that they work on Sundays. So you find from 8 to 12 or 13 every Sunday, they work. And you find that this happens three weeks in a row. And then in the fourth week, that Sunday, they are free. There are very high chances that even the fourth week they might miss. Why? Because it becomes a habit. It becomes normal. It becomes, I'll just catch up online. It becomes, I'll just watch. It becomes a habit. It's a very bad habit to not be able to fellowship with the brethren. Now, I've got nothing against online means. As a matter of fact, we've helped a lot of people through online means. But I believe that the grace for online increases when it's not possible for you to be with us in person but if you are in a position where you even know that as in there are some people you find they live there they can literally throw a stone from their house and you it can it can hit the roof right now but they woke up 10 minutes late come with your 10 minutes late what if you no know, when i walk in people will stare at me let us stare at you that's your punishment for being 10 minutes late it <laughs> all we'll stare but what i'm trying to say is it's not a good habit it's not a good one. It's not a good habit. Anything that you love, you attach a certain value to. Let me give you an example. Eh? How many of you here watch football? Now, I watch football, right? I'll be honest with you. Probably football is the only, is the only reason I pay for, for this TV. It's the only reason for me. There's nothing else I watch there. In short, if it wasn't there, I wouldn't be paying for it. And now I noticed that when the season ended, I realized, I only realized later that I hadn't turned the DSTV decoder on for like two, two, three weeks. I hadn't turned it on. Because, it's, it's, because to be fair, I'm loyal to it. So I watch it. I've got the calendar. Those who are in the countries where um, maybe if they support Arsenal or uh, Liverpool, any of those teams, you find there are people who've got season tickets. They even fight for them. That means that they pay in advance to have a ticket for every game no matter the place. There's a dedication that they attach to it. They find a way to assemble themselves with fellow football fans so that they can watch together. Now, if people can attach such sentiment and commitment to things like that which are fleeting, it amazes me how quickly a person can come up with an excuse to not come to church. Pastor, I couldn't come because I was at a wedding. No, 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 let me talk. I'm permitted to talk today, right? Eh? So the first question in my head is, why were you at the wedding? And then they would tell me they had to marry on Sunday because Saturday for them is a holy day and they couldn't marry on that day. I so said, no wonder they invited you because they also don't think you consider your, 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 your coming to church as sacred as they consider they are going to church on Saturday. And I asked. There's one person I asked a question. I said, "Do you think they would invite me?" And they replied, "No, they wouldn't invite you on a Sunday, Pastor." I said, "Then there's a problem here. (laughs) Then there's a problem." And sometimes the reason we're not respected even in families is because we can easily change our schedule. Our, Our schedule is the one that changes so quickly. Anything can change our church schedule. Shouldn't that be a holy time that you've dedicated to God? I've been in classrooms where the lecturer says we're having a test on Saturday. And a group of people say, no, 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 we need to pray on that day. And they find a way to stop it. And when he says Sunday, well, even the first ones, yeah, you know, guys, it's okay. You know, education is important and ABCD. (laughs) Meaning there's a value that we're not attaching. And the challenge is it can become a very bad habit. And when it's a habit, it means it happens without you even thinking. Let's continue. The early church, because well, there's a place I'm going to. Now, the early church congregated together. Hebrews ten twenty-five. Uh, but when we go into the early church, the early church had an actual congregation and they counted people. They even appointed deacons and they gave specific roles. And for them, they didn't meet on a special day. They met every day. <laughs> the Apostle Paul did not just preach. Get back to the slides. The Apostle Paul, I'm on 17, did not just preach. He established churches and he put people in charge of them. Everywhere the Apostle Paul would go, he wouldn't go and then just say, oh, you're now part of the kingdom, high five, see you in heaven. No, no, he would establish churches. And then he would leave elders to be in charge of them. That's how it worked. Elders, the, the, the parallel to elders then and now is pastors. So he would always leave shepherds. He would establish assemblies and leave people in charge. That's how he worked. Jesus, in Revelations, wrote to different churches, recognizing them by name, and recognizing that each of them had a specific leader who was required to give them this message, recognizing that they had a collective revelation, a collective culture, with a collective reward and punishment. Let me give you an example. (laughs) Give me Revelations chapter 2, verse 8. Now, follow this, eh? He says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrma, right. Now, don't get confused. When it says to the angel of the church in this context, he was not writing to angels of churches. The word angel means messenger. So he was writing to the leaders of the churches. That's why if you see other translations, it will say to the messenger of the church. So the leader of the church was being given a specific message. And then, Notice Jesus' words, right? He says, This thing says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works. Your tri- I know your works. Whose works? The whole church. Your tribulation and poverty. Who? The whole church. So the church was in a very poor area. But you are rich. Who? The whole church. <laughs> and he says, And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Then he tells who? The whole church. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Who is about to suffer? The whole church. <laughs> Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation in ten days. Be faithful unto death. I will give you the crown of life. So meaning, if you are the pastor of this church, and God has given you this message, what messages do you need to start preaching from that time on? You need to start preaching and quoting scriptures about how even if they are about to kill you, you will still get the crown of life. And then, what, pray, what songs need to be sung during your songs of Zion? It needs to be "I will go to heaven one day." That that needs to be your song. That needs to be the song. Then what should be the next song? In my father's house and may be man. Sh-. So you can sing so many other songs, but you should emphasize those. Because that's the message that the whole church was, was to receive in that period. Let's continue. Okay. Now, let's look at 12 to 16. Here's another church, right? And it says, And to the angel of the church in Pegamos, right? these things says he who has... You can just give it to us from the scriptures, so people can see them just from the scriptures. Revelations 2:12, right? To the angel in the church of Pergamos, right. these things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword... Now, follow me on this one. When John met Jesus earlier, did he meet him only as the person with a sharp two-edged sword? No. He also met him as a person with eyes of fire. He met him as a person with legs like brass. In short, he met him in the fullness of who he is. But when Jesus was writing to the churches, there was a specific revelation he was emphasizing based on the church he was writing to. So, for this church, Jesus emphasized the Jesus with the sharp two-edged sword. The question is why. The reason he emphasizes this is the next verse. I know your works and where you dwell is where Satan's throne is. So there was a lot of demonic activity there. So when you're introducing people to Jesus in that area, the first introduction shouldn't necessarily be, I once believed that love was wrong. It's not necessarily that Jesus you introduce them to. The first Jesus you introduce them to is, we are rolling on, we are rolling on. because you need, <laughs> the revelation you needed to survive in Pergamos was the one with the two-edged sword. I don't know if you're hearing me. Why? Because where they were, there was a lot of demonic activity. Then he goes on to tell them, saying, you hold fast to my name, uh, and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr and was killed among you where Satan dwells. He emphasizes. Let's go on. But I have a few things against you. Against who? The whole church. So meaning collectively, there was a culture that was wrong with the whole church. What was wrong with them? He says, because you have those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Now, how many of you know Balaam in the scriptures? Balaam in the scriptures was hired by Balak to curse Israel. Meaning, the guy had a genuine prophetic gift. Do you know that? The guy was prophetic. The guy could see angels. The guy could even, to be, do, you, do you know we caught Balaam? There is no divination against Israel. Who said that? It was Balaam. This is the, eyes of he, this is the sayings of he was eyes open. Who, who said that? It was Balaam. God arrested his voice. But then holding on to the doctrine of Balaam means there was a culture that had happened within where people then began to promote certain things that are wrong. Because what Balaam did is that here is the person anointed, but then he adds perversion to it. And the church collectively was beginning to allow that. So what were they allowing? People were now eating food sacrificed to idols. That's one. Two, people were beginning to commit sexual immorality and there was a way around it which was being made to look like it's okay. Now, let's continue. Next verse thus you have those who hold to the doctrine of the Nicolatians, which thing I hate, let's continue there are different scholars who've got different views on the Nicolaitans but uh, some say it was a very similar doctrine to the doctrine of Balaam that he says repent or else I'll come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth, he's saying this same sword you're using to fight Satan I'll use it against you talking to a church. Now, let me say this. Wait, are you following? Now, if I'm the pastor of that church, right, and God has just given me that warning, and then I have a couple in church who are not married, and they decide to fall pregnant, then... I decide that I will discipline them in front of the whole congregation. Someone else from outside may look at that and think it's harsh. On the other hand, you've just been told by God that I'm about to come fight your church and you can't bind God. And he just says, I'm about to come fight your church because you're allowing sexual immorality. And it means that for the sake of the congregation learning, if I was pastor in that church, I may need to make an example. To show that this is not allowed, it means if I'm the pastor of that church, what will my sermons be for the next one year? Holiness. All the sermons will be: don't commit sexual sin. Don't. Com-. All the sermons will go in that direction, and then somebody may think, Ah, pastor's messages of late. Can not they allow us to breathe? We're only human. But now, I want us to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. It means that the people had a collective culture which God could see as collective. So now, this mindset of, no, Christianity is just yourself, then it's challenged there because Jesus was talking about a whole congregation and he was analyzing their entire culture and there was a collective punishment and even a collective reward for a whole congregation. That means, ladies and gentlemen, that if... I've got a teaching series which I want to do this month, and I've got a specific reason why I want to do it. And this Sunday, you decide not to come because um, my good friend, Pastor Daniel, is teaching something nice. The next Sunday, you decide again not to come because you heard about a series Pastor Gomezio is teaching. I'm using them as examples because they're my very good friends. And then the next week, you'll show up, and then the other week, you'll go somewhere else again. Then you have a challenge. There's a way you'll grow which won't be right because you're not settled, you're not listening. And then the challenge is you might end up being the one disturbing the culture when the culture is supposed to go a particular way because, unfortunately, we mainly have Sundays to communicate this. So meaning, in my sermons, there are times where I'll be addressing cultural issues because I also, funny enough, sometimes I have strange dreams, eh? There are times when it's almost the end of the year and i have a dream where God will give me my percentage of how well I've done that year. I know the year when he gave me an 85%. And he told me the areas where I needed to work on. And in doing that, he would tell me that like for the whole church, as a church, you're growing like this but not like this. This year, have you observed that we've not done a lot of activities? Do you know why? God had spoken to me towards the end of last year. Let me tell you what happened. I was there, I was standing over there, and then as I was in worship, first I heard in my spirit, I was like, what would you do if you couldn't congregate for one month because they need to work on the roof? I laughed. The next week we received the call that they needed to work on the roof and were not going to be able to congregate for one month. And I remember it was Deconasola who was calling me and she was afraid, she didn't know how I would answer because apparently I'm known to be, I'm known to have interesting answers. So I go before God, I say, God, what's going on? And then he then began to show me in the spiritual realm how much work we did as a church the past two, three years. During the COVID period, we're one of the only few churches and ministries that had conferences. For that matter, majority of us were doing it both with COL and with WIM. We're one of the only few that had conferences consistently. Now, you may see it as the work of holding one conference, but spiritually imagine the work of sustaining a certain incense. Let's say there's a certain incense I was supposed to go before God through conferences that year. And then one of the only few that were doing it, he told me people are tired. That's what he told me. He said, your people are tired. I had a dream recently which showed me that they were almost there. Almost there. But he told me the congregation is tired. Let them rest a bit. How many of you felt at some point a certain weariness? Like, where you love God, you love church, but you felt a bit tired. How many of you... (laughs) Johanna! Grace! Jabu! Media, don't even lift your hand. (laughs) You're not allowed. (laughs) So he told me your people are tired. So I asked him, what do I do? And then he said, after an army has been fighting bind up their wounds. That's what he told me. But then he also told me when you've had an army period, you also need a family period. So I said, emphasize another thing. So for example, I stopped doing the dominion nights for some time. Instead, I went to the fellowship. I just say getting to know them. Hi, so what's your name? What's this? What's this? Because that's the direction he gave me. How many of you have had some good times when I've come to your fellowship? Some wonderful times, right? We've even gotten to know each other. Because that's the direction he gave me. And then you remember that time when I gave you the 21 day exercise? One of them was call someone and have a casual conversation. Some of you that time realized you don't have casual conversations, you just discuss the wake, the wake. You just call each other and say, have you done this, have you done this? Because some of you realized that you had church mates, you didn't have friends. And you had no one to dance on your lineup. <laughs> so, he told me, tell your people to calm down. Like, let them rest a bit. That's what he told me. That's why I changed the emphasis this year. And then he gave me the theme, Doctrine and Life, which I thought initially, I thought was a very boring thing. I'm like, God, I'm like this supernatural guy, and then you give me Doctrine and Life? And one of the miracles we're experiencing a lot, settlement miracles. Miracles where your life settles. Because that's the season that he ushered us in. Is this getting you thinking? So now the challenge comes in when Pastor Daniel has been told let's say he is entering the year and God tells him this year I want you to wake wake, wake you've not been waking, I want you to wake so you've come from here while we've been waking <laughs> and you decide to move there where again you are waking eventually to be seen with you so you find in fellowshipping together I decide let's be having brides every Saturday and eating together every Wednesday and Saturday and eating together and in another place, because of the revelation God has given them, they've been taught this year you shall not eat meat while living a fasted life. <laughs> you see, do you see why, my, when my wife was teaching, she said it's easier when you're under one visionary? Right? Because if God gives a direction, I shouldn't have to negotiate with myself how will I tell them? if God gives me a particular date why he says, God should be able to tell me on a Friday, say, tell your congregation to, meet, to come to see you tomorrow because there's something I want you to do for them. And I shouldn't have to look at anyone else's calendar. That's the way it should be. Let's continue. So, ladies and gentlemen, there is no room that is called the kingdom. That's why our participation in the kingdom of God is primarily through our personal work with God and through our participation in the local church. Let me say that again. Our participation in the kingdom of God primarily is through our personal work with him and our participation in the local church. And then there are some, and then, you know, interestingly, do you know that your, your leaders will play a role in your judgment? Okay, let's read No, let's read. (laughs) Let's read Hebrews 13, 17 from the Amplified. I want us to read it together. It says, obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, continually recognizing their authority over you. So not just once, you continually recognize it, right? And then it says, for they are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare as men who have to render an account of their trust. Do your part to let them do this with gladness. So meaning, as a spiritual leader, you can come to a place where you're leading people and you're not happy about it. Instead, you're doing it with sighing and groaning. But then there's a challenge, according to the scripture there. It's not profitable for you if your spiritual leaders have to sigh and groan concerning you. And it didn't say you're spiritual leader; it said you spiritual leaders. So for example, no one forced you to join that department, right? Then in that department, you went through probation, right? In probation, you are told what the department demands, right? That you meet every Monday for this, and that you meet every this for this, and that you have to do this and this and this and this. Then you just choose, the moment you're in the department, to become the most unavailable person the department has ever had. You've got the world record of being the most unavailable department member who has ever existed. That is not profitable for you. That is not profitable for you. It means when the master is, and scripturally, when accounts are being settled, it's always for a promotion or a demotion. When the master came back to check the people he had given talents, it was to promote them or to demote them. He says, okay, you, you've done this, and you've done it like this. That's profitable. I'm giving you more. That's what he says. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we, have, we, may, have challenged, we may have had challenges, but let us improve that. Don't make it hard to pastor you. Can I tell you a few ways of making it hard to pastor you? There's a challenge. You expect us to guess or to see it in the spirit. We don't always see it in the spirit. Come tell us. Someone once left because I didn't see something in the spirit, which was happening. I don't decide now, let me see in the spirit. But then, is that what the scripture said? No, the scripture says anyone sick among you, let them call the elders. So it's them to call the elders. I don't know if somebody's hearing me. Anyways, other stuff my wife shared. But if you had to ask me, there are people who have found easier to pastor and others who have found harder to pastor. Some have managed to transition from harder to easier. Now, unfortunately, some have transitioned from easier to harder. But then, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, whenever the scripture is talking about the 99 and the 1, it's clear that one thing that helps you handle the one is if at least you've got 99 <laughs> that are so stable that you can leave them alone, you go pitikisha with the one, and you come back and you still find the 99 are okay. That's why we've got a statement here called the loyal 99. Ladies and gentlemen, don't make it hard to pastor you. Don't make it hard to pastor you. Say, I'm easy to pastor. I'm easy to pastor. Say, I'm I'm leadable. Say it again, I'm easy to pastor. I'm easy to pastor. Now imagine what would happen if the churches, if, our, if all churches in Revelations had members who were constantly visiting the other church weekly, and then they missed the service where the word was delivered. What would happen to them? This is why different congregations may emphasize different things at different times because the same Lord Jesus may be telling them different things. Sometimes, maybe as a church, we may be in a season of preparation, so I just need to emphasize something and emphasize it and emphasize it. Do you know that there are some teachings in the Bible which were situational? (laughs) Wait, let me explain. Do you know some teachings were situational? Do you know that there are teachings Paul did because he was responding to a rumor? Yeah. Like, oh, you guys have been asking about ABCD. There is a reason why he wrote certain things to the Colossian church and didn't write them to the Corinthian church. There's a reason why he wrote certain things to the Ephesians. The Corinthian church, for example, one of their biggest challenges was sexual morality. You're aware of that, right? One of their biggest challenges was sexual immorality. And it's because in the city of Corinth, there was a temple. And at that temple, one of the ways of sacrificing to your God at that temple was to go to that temple and have sex with the prostitutes there. That's why when Paul is teaching the Corinthian church, he tells them, no, 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 you are the temple of God. He was also speaking against the temple in their area. So some teachings may be situational. For example, there may be a problem that I'm facing with the culture in church. Maybe let's say there's a lot of gossip. I may come and say, today we're just talking about gossip. It may not sound very interesting, but it may be necessary for the health of the church. Praise God. Okay, so now I need to be- get towards the end. Are you enjoying this? So now for us, City of the Lord Church is our divine vision, which has been given to us by God through Apostle Frederick, and we believe in this vision, and we also believe that by participating in it, we're participating in the kingdom of God and fulfilling a mandate that is bigger than us as individuals. So now I want to just say something quickly on what kind of church members we have. (laughs) I'm not writing this for your condemnation. I'm writing this for your edification. Now, let me just read this quickly. When Paul wrote in Hebrews about some people who would shun fellowship with others, it means that he had some troublesome members. And some did not express a culture that he wanted. Jesus showed us with the parable of the sower that there are times you can have people exposed to the same word, but they're producing different results. Now, what is written below is not for your condemnation. It's to help you grow. By the time we're done, you will know which member you want to be. So let's start. Let's have the first one. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, don't laugh. Guys, don't laugh. (laughs) Okay. Now, there are some people who are ashamed. MJ what I mean. There are people who believe their divine destinies with COL, and they probably tune in to several services but are ashamed to associate themselves with us for different reasons. Some because how will it look like somewhere else. Others because they do not want to live a worldly life. Um, there are others who have been told you want to go to that church where they're young. So you find the age aspect becomes the reason why you don't end up fulfilling a divine vision. So there are others who are ashamed to associate with us. I'm their pastor in their hearts. I've met some people before. You may not know me. I may not come to church. but just know you're my pastor. I'm like, how? When? So there are some who are listening to me right now. You've been ashamed to associate with the ministry. Don't be ashamed. Every now and then, you post a flyer. Show, be proud of where you're coming from. It also encourages us that we're doing something important and it's valuable in your life. We feel encouraged when you see you post the church flyers. We feel encouraged when you see you talk about what you learned at church and where you learned it from. The culture of honor is very important. So there are some who are ashamed of being associated with us. Let's continue. There are others who are similar to first category, but a bit different. These are secret members. Let me explain. I want you to follow me and follow me well. Say, I'm following and, and some of you have been secret members before right? Let me explain Never Secret members are people who believe hold on, listen to me these are people who believe they are our members but never give us their details No, let me go Meaning, for example if the government of the Republic of Zambia came today and said give us a list, we're doing an audit give us a list of your members they wouldn't be on the list because they've never told us that they are members. They've never given us their details. If the Lord Jesus came and asked me to present a list, they wouldn't be on the list because I don't know. Wait, no, no, let's continue. They do not register for anything. They don't participate in anything. Now I want you to understand that any church had records of their members. The first church that joined, they count how did they manage to count that 3,000 people joined? It means they counted during Dann? Okay. You went in Duendani, in. Duendani, in. How did they know in Acts 6 which ones were the widows which needed help? They even knew the difference in race for the widows. Some were Hellenist, right? So they knew the different, uh, they had the biodata of these people. How, they were only able to resolve the issue. You guys know there was an issue in Acts 6, right? Where the Hellenist Jews, the Hellenist Jews were a different sect of Jews. The Hellenes Jews felt like they were not being given the right for portions. So, meaning, as a, they had to now appoint deacons, and those deacons now had to give the portions properly. So, they were able to tell who were who. Why do you think Paul would write to a church and they were the Romans? Meaning, they were counted. He would write the church that meets in Chloe's house, the church that meets there, the church that meets there. They were counted. What am I trying to say, ladies and gentlemen? Be counted. Be counted. Some things you may not have known. It's not that you're a bad person. Eh? But then there are some who are regular visitors here, but they come every week. Let me just say that again. <laughs> you are a regular visitor, but you come to this church every week, every Sunday. Your tithe, you bring it here. Offerings, you bring here. Every Sunday, but you're a regular visitor. You never, in your view, you're not a member, you're just a regular, but you're coming here, you're tithing here, you're offering here. The words you hear are my words. When I give the blessing, you also kneel. <laughs> when you're not well, we lay hands. What's wrong with just taking the extra step and saying, "Look, I'm registering. I want some responsibility. I want to be a proper part of this house. I want to be able to serve. I want to be able to this." The challenge with remaining as a regular visitor is that there is no accountability. For example, if you're a regular visitor and you miss church, I can't tell you off. Who am I? What right do I have? What right do I have? Okay. Let Bernadette try. (laughs) She'll have to send me an email. Do you know that, (laughs) Uh, for example, my leaders, if they're missing a service, you know they have to notify me, right? And give me a proper reason why there's an accountability that we have. Even me, can I just miss? And then just, they just say, oh, pastor, somehow, just hasn't shown up today. So, uh, but <laughs> George, Is that go Mao. <laughs> no, let's be honest. When you're coming on Sundays, don't you have an expectation that you will find me? Whether I'm preaching or not, don't you have an expectation that you'll find me? And when I'm not here, don't I tell you in advance? I tell you weeks before, that Sunday I will not be here. Or that Sunday I will not be here, that Sunday I will not be here. I'll tell you weeks in advance. And it's very rare that when I'm not here, I'm not at a COL congregation. Last year, the Sundays I missed, one Sunday I was with uh, Pastor Gladys Paswani, right, at Anointed Life. I was preaching there. The other Sunday I was at the House of Faith Church. I was ministering there. The other Sunday I met the Livingstone congregation. And then the other Sunday I was in Kasama. So now, if you have the expectation to always find me here, should I also have the same expectation of you? (laughs) Do you ever say, hey, today it's raining and it's cold. Apostle won't come. How are you getting my point? Have I ever had Sundays where my body, let's say, is not feeling the best? I've had them before. I remember there was one service, I don't remember what happened. I told them, just leave me alone for a moment. Hey, before I knew it, I was waking up in the office. wait, I'm supposed to preach. (laughs) But then, it's like we've got a social contract. But then, on the other hand, if you've not registered as a member, then we don't necessarily have the right to also question you when you're not fulfilling this responsibility. What am I trying to say? Don't be our member in secret. Be open about it even Jesus had Jesus also liked people being open. Remember Jesus saying if you are ashamed of me I also be ashamed of you. <laughs> so we have to know who you are. We have to be able to name you. Acts 241 says, then those who gladly received this word were baptized and that day about 3000 souls were added to them. They were able to count the 3000. We're well, not even 3000 yet. Surely we should be able to know everyone. We should be able to have your information. Praise God. And nowadays, with the wizardry of technology, you'll find we're able to... We can easily classify. If you give us your details, when we want to meet the men, we can just click men, and we know all the men. We can just click this, and we know all of them. And with the app now, you can edit your details. We can know when you're done with school. What if God has said, have just a special secret service... Just for those who just finished the school, pray for them to be blessed that ABCD happens. We need to be able to just click one button and we can send to everyone. We need to be able to do that, but we need your information. Let's have the next. group. Mm-hmm. So, got secret members. I am a member in your heart. Some of you were members in your heart, but recently joined. Then we've got institutional members. I'm almost done. Institutional members, these are people who have met the institutional requirements of being a member of the church, meaning they've done orientation, right? It was easier back then. Back then, do you know what used to happen? On the membership form, once you click, do you want to be a member, once you just click, do you want to be a member, we'll put you in our system as a member. That's how we ended up having a lot of ghost members who when we call them after 10 months, they're like, who are you? I'm like, but you told us you're a member. When? You came to our church. How? <laughs> how, many of you, how many of you that happened during enrich? Why the people had no idea, didn't even know my name of what? What could you add? But they're the ones who wrote. So what we do now is that when you click that you want to be a member, or when you tick that you want to be a member, we then have classes. And we can, if we wanted, we could do those classes in one day. There's a reason we do them in four weeks. We're also testing you to see if you really want to be a member. Now, there are some people who meet the institutional requirements of being a member. But afterwards, they don't participate in anything. For example, when you're done with your orientation classes, you're supposed to go into foundation class. Boom, you don't go into foundation class. Now, when you're done with foundation class, you're supposed to be put in a cell. You've been put in a cell, you've never said anything, you've never commented. We told you in orientation. <laughs> Guys, listen. Hold on. We told you in orientation how our systems work. We told you that we want you to be part of a cell. We told you that we want you to be part of ABCD. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to pay attention to this. For COL, do you know why the cell ministry is very important? City of the Lord Church, hold on, has got some geographical challenges that ministries back in the day never used to have. There used to be a time, ladies and gentlemen, that if you are at a church like this one, then it means you all live in the area. You all live in the same road, And the pastor's house is right next to the church. So if I want to call for someone, I Maybe if there's something has happened, like a funeral or something like that, everyone would just know because it was a whole community living in one place. Right now. Three of the Lord Church is here. I'm in Ibex. My mom is in Roma. <laughs> I can see Avondale there that side. Mrs. Soho, where do you live? Minwood, which one? Minwood Mutumbi. Okay. Are you already seeing the areas? Who else here lives far? Off Shandu, Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> wow. May the Lord be with you. There was one Sunday where there was one Saturday where well, my wife and I went for a wedding first. for contact. I was helping with the wedding. And then from that wedding, I decided to go see one of our couples. It should have been Zita and his wife, Cecilia, right? And we traveled. So like we traveled to <laughs> we traveled to the mouths. I forgot which mouths those were. Six, seven, eight, nine, whichever it is. And then from there, <laughs> we had also set an appointment with another couple. Syriacas and Chilufia and we traveled again we traveled to off <laughs> somewhere there and we traveled and I remember it well because that's the day that Morocco was playing Portugal and uh, because when we had the squad I remember it very well but what I'm trying to say is that ask just to do a visitation of two couples the whole day had to go the whole day had to go So meaning our demographics are not like everybody else. It's a fact, and that's that's why buses are a must. That's why ABCD is a must. Now, because of that, we need to have smaller groups called sales. And then because um, our demographics are very dispersed, when we try to have the sales in specific areas, we notice only the campuses were thriving because the campuses were nearer to each other. But some people here, even if they say... They live in the same area, they live far, and some people don't have their own houses, so they're not able to host a group of people. And when COVID came up, people didn't want people in their homes. So we decided: let's have sales which are not based on your demographics, but they're based on the fact that you're able to come online and there'll be specific messages that we'll be giving you. And then you decide to frustrate our vision. I'm telling you, a lot of my cell leaders are frustrated they're not happy. Because you find cell meetings, they're 10, 15. Cell meetings should be 30, 40. Can I tell you what we had to do? Can I tell you what? Because cells are supposed to break and expand. We're supposed to say, this cell is too big. Can I tell you what we had to do? In case we didn't know secretly. Because we were so tired of the poor percentages our cell leaders were giving us. We had to change the system and gives the cell leaders permission to group their cell members. Group A, group B, group C. Group A are the consistent ones. Group B are the, uh. Group C are, when they enter the meeting, the cell leader starts singing, Miracle, no tire, Jesus. Oh. want you to do me a favor. I want you to send a message to your cell leader today and ask them, saying in all honesty, what group am I in? <laughs> now, let me just mention, Okay, I'll do this, remind me when I'm done, because I'm almost done, I'll give you the, just in case our system have, has had challenges, because there's some people here, they're like, I did foundation class, somehow I wasn't added to a cell." I'll tell you how we can correct that. Or maybe you did Orientation, but you weren't added foundation class. I'll tell you how we can correct that. Or maybe you signed up for membership, but you but you've never received the message or the call. I'll tell you how we can correct that. Okay, you guys are you guys are enjoying, eh? So now, these are people who they don't participate in anything. And this year, one of my aims was to move people from being institutional members to being active members. Well, we can call upon you. Like, ask, like, you've not attended the Zoom meeting, ask yourself the real reason. There's no way we can be less than 300 in a Zoom meeting. What too many? It's a neighbor. (laughs) 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 Ah. The Bible says, he who received seed among the sons is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Let's have the next one. There's one, uh, there's one person who told me something, eh? Let's have the... There's one person. I'm almost done. There's one person who told me something. They gave me permission to share it, by the way. Can I just explain it? Yes. So this person joined the church. I led them to Christ myself. Personally. They joined the ministry. They were doing orientation. They even moved to foundation class. Then suddenly they stopped responding in foundation class. And we've got a system that alerts us. So they, I was alerted, saying we somebody who is not responding. And I called them, because I led them to Christ myself. And they told me the church is too busy. I'm a student. I said, you're a student? Do you know how many courses I'm studying? And they, they just resisted me and left other groups. I said, okay, it happens. Moved on with my life. Next thing... I kept after like a year I'm getting messages. Please answer, please answer, please answer. I'm like, oh, what's going on? So eventually I call back and the person explains. They said they had a dream. And in that dream, they were being told. Uh, I know something had gone wrong and they were being told you need to go to the city. Go to the city. And they're thinking which city? Then when they woke up it clicked, Apostle Fred. So I said, Okay, why did you leave in the first place? I'm not honest. And, I said, and by the way, I got permission that I could share it. Their boyfriend told them to leave. Why? Because I was teaching against fornication. So, and after he told her to leave, not long afterwards, he damned her. That's what happened. And then God told her, go back. Now, you know, and you know, by the the grace of God, she's restored now. She's, 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 She's well. But now I want you to imagine if in that state one day she had to give an account before God. God asked, why did you leave? My boyfriend. <laughs> and then one angel would have gone like, you know, there's, that, there's always that angel. One angel would go like, the one who dumped her.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Then we've got main event members. Yeah, yeah. These are the members who only love the flashy side of the church. They are very active when there's a conference. Why do you think we've got a lot of volunteers? No, I want you to ask yourself this, and sometimes be honest with yourself. How come when there's Dominion Conference, you volunteer to serve? But after the conference, you don't want to serve in a department. Now, let me just mention this. The only reason we should have volunteers at Dominion Conference is because they are new to the system and maybe you just never got oriented. So it's an opportunity to fast track you. But afterwards, that should lead to your permanent service. Ladies and gentlemen, or maybe if there's an opportunity to show their talents or have a flashy moment. Sometimes this happens with people who are very talented. Let's say somebody's a very good actor, very good singer, very good rapper, very good, maybe instrumentalist, very good, any of those things. you find when there's an opportunity to show their talent, they're the most Active person. When that opportunity is not there, they are no longer as active. I've experienced that before as a pastor. Give someone to sing a song; my, they will be there. They will be there. They will attend them. You'll be shocked how they will have transport for rehearsal. They will, they will travel from another town because you give them the opportunity. But usually, how you can tell is that immediately they are done, they leave. Do you know one of one reason why I love our band here at COL? I've seen things before with bands. You know, things I've seen with bands before. When the pastor is preaching, they're not in church. Then when the pastor starts singing that song, someone gives a signal. Then they give a signal. Then... (laughs) And the challenge is, it's very difficult to fire a band member. Because who will play the keyboard? (laughs) Imagine you've got one keyboard player. One keyboard player. It's very difficult to fire them. Uh, Why do you think band members are rarely put on suspension unless you've got other people to play? Although, who remembers the Sunday when I put the horse... I don't know who I put on suspension. And I played the keyboard myself. (laughs) So, okay, let's continue. So these are people who are not interested in the less flashy side, like trainings or harder things. Jesus had some people who were only interested in his ministry when he was giving out bread. If we say free food, there was that midweek service when people were fasting. And and we posted in the church group, come with a cup, we'll give you free coffee. Ha! As in, I end that midweek, I'm like, all these people have come for midweek. People just suddenly remembered they needed the Lord. Okay, let's continue. John 6, verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. (laughs) Because he switched things from the physical to the spiritual. So if I have to, there was a time at COL, there was one Sunday service, where like 100 and something. Or something like that. Then the next week we had deliverance Sunday. it was packed. It was packed, I tell you. I remember that Sunday, I was in a t-shirt. I think I was in a t-shirt written, all things are mine. With like a hairstyle. <laughs> Walked in. I, I think my, the most iconic photo I remember is I think I would prayed for someone on crutches. I was even lifting the crutch. And I thought, that's it, the church has kicked off. Because that week were 400. The next week were eight. Why? Because it wasn't tagged as special Sunday. I tag next week and say prophetic Sunday. And that's what makes you Come. And yeah, main event. Lights, camera, action. Jerry neighbor, may that not be you. (laughs) Where no, I'm telling you, and and I've seen how this works. You'll find when Dominion Conference happens, even those who don't post you that this is my pastor, suddenly they are so proud of you. They're like, where you start trending in your own ministry, you start trending, like this is why I follow this mansion. Why? Because they had the Flashy Conference. That shouldn't be you. Let's have the final ones. We've got active members. Active members are members who are participating in at least one service weekly, although it should be two, and they are also part of a smaller group. They are most likely serving in a department or in a ministry. They have a lot of zeal, and they recognize COL as their church. They follow instructions and are proud to be named as ours. But that is not all. Give me the next one. Then we have productive members. Productive members are members who are not just active, but they are now producing fruits. I don't know if you are getting. Me. I've just seen the photo. This is reminding me of John. Remember John? When John, do you remember the additions John would put? John would be like, and then John, like he would write about himself and Peter, and then he says we went to the tomb, and then I don't know for whatever reason, and then he said, and the younger one outran <laughs> the older. <now. laughs> okay, productive members. These are members who are not just active but are now producing fruit. That means the fruit of our teaching is seen in their lives. When Paul wrote and said, you are living epistles, what happened is this Paul was being told, you call yourself an apostle, where are your letters of recommendation? Who recommended you? And then Paul said, me, do I need a letter? Okay, fine, you want my letter? Ariel is my letter. When I met Ariel, he was like this. This is the way he is now. This is the way he lives. This is the way he's conducting myself. He my letter. And that's what Paul was saying. He was saying, you guys are our living epistles written by the Holy Spirit. So these are people who become the letters of our church. They become our ambassadors. These are people who the fruit of our vision is seen in their lives. And they are able to effectively win souls, not just win souls, they can effectively produce after their own kind. Meaning, if a new member comes to church, listen, some some of you write about how available I am. I try. But to be fair, it's harder now than it was then. Now it will be harder when we imagine we are times five of what we are now. It will be harder. Meaning Some people will not experience my availability. They will experience yours. We should be at a place where when somebody comes to church, we can just say, just follow to If you can just follow to you'll be a proper member. What I'm trying to say, ladies and gentlemen, is that if the church produced 50 people who are like you, what kind of ministry would we have? (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Now, these are able to produce after their own kind, and they are worth emulating. Mm -hmm. Notice what the Bible says, Matthew 13, 23. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, meaning it's your duty to go and understand, right? By going back to read what we've written. Who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty, which, which, which for you what kind of fruit, meaning even from those who produce fruit, there are levels. There are levels. Imagine that person who decides there's no way the whole lot of me can be on a campus and COL at end a campus fellowship there. I'll tell you this, every expansion we've ever had is because someone decided to produce fruit. Every bus you've ever seen, let me just tell you this, every bus you've ever seen coming here for COL, I'm not the one who started it. As a matter of fact, I've never started a COL bus. I've never gone to a place, evangelized myself and started a COL bus. I've never done that. Every bus you've ever seen, there's one person, there's two people, there's three people who decided, let me produce fruit. Some are with us, some may not be with us anymore. Others decided to take it up and say, let me produce fruit. Every bus you've ever seen. Every, how many of you here, you first came to COL because um, I personally invited you. Raise your hands. if I personally invited you. Lovely. How many of you, I didn't, maybe, I didn't personally invite you, but maybe I mentored you already, so it was automatic. In short, you were the fruit of my labor. Toko. <laughs> Mary. Mary. <laughs> How many of you came to COL because someone invited you? <laughs> so you may, you may even have seen it online but it took somebody telling you come imagine how much you would grow if you did the same wow. Wow. how many of you in your serving there are other people apart from me who you've looked up to, who you've said I would like to serve like that one. raise your hand after you've never seen me, Asha. Okay, maybe some of you have. But some of you have never even really seen me serve. Who do you look up to? Among She's men. Your sister. sister. Oh, okay. How does she serve? Excellent. She serves excellently. Yes. Yeah. She looks shocked. Who do you look up to? Um, lawyer. Why? Um, Say when she carries her she didn't play with what she does. Laura, are you serious? <laughs> what am I trying to say, ladies and gentlemen? We all have to produce fruit. Let's, give, let's have the last slide. Look at this. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So now, I believe you didn't come to this church by accident. God brought you here. So why did he bring you here? So that you should bear fruit, and that your fruit should last, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give you. So I want you to say, I've come to this church to bear fruit. fruit. You can't just come and benefit from the fruit of others and you're not bearing fruit. And one of the biggest challenges, ladies and gentlemen, is that it's actually possible to retrogress. It's possible to be at a place where you are doing well and you're not doing well anymore. But a big consolation is that it's actually possible to improve and to be better. Amen. How do we close it off? You can decide what kind of vessel you will be in this house. Uh, give us 2 Timothy 2, verse 20. Let's flash it. And I want us to read it together as we end. 2 Timothy 2, verse 20. High five. Ask your neighbor, are you an epistle of what we teach? And interestingly, even if you've just, let me tell you something. Even if you've just been with us for one service, you can become a replica of what we're teaching. Because our words are, these are not words of men. One, two, three, let's read. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Let's read the next verse. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work, meaning you can determine. There's something I'll be discussing concerning realities during the Dominion Unza, uh, during the Dominion Night Unza. And this will be one of the verses. What I'm trying to say is that you can actually determine what vessel you are. And notice he says, if someone cleanses himself from the latter, so meaning you may be listening to me and you've not been a good vessel, and you can actually cleanse yourself. You can cleanse yourself. You can make a decision. There are some people. Who doesn't mind me using them as an example? Who doesn't mind me using them as an example? Yeah, good. Maggie, you joined us, which year. Um, 2017. 2017, right? And then when did you become a proper vessel in this church? 2020. 2020, there's something Maggie caught. No, I know, because 2017, I knew every member. So 2017, sometimes I would see her, sometimes I would not see her. I don't know what happened in 2020. There's something she grabbed a hold of and then grew. Maggie, what did you catch in 2020? You caught the vision. Where was it? I also want to How did you catch it? You just made a decision, right? And you know, she told me something interesting. She said she never even really used to understand my teachings until she decided. And when she decided, they made sense. Ask your neighbor, when did you catch it? If it's today, you tell them today. When did you catch it? What have they answered? Ask them, how did you catch it? How did it look like when catching? Some of you don't talk to your neighbors. Joy, let's have the final slide. I love you all and let's build this church together. <clears throat> Father, in Jesus' name, I bless your people. Let all be well with them. Let their lives settle. In Jesus' name. Let their lives settle. Let their bodies be well. This cold that has been going around, this flu that has been going around, it shall not come near their homes. In Jesus' name. This COVID that's been going around will not come near their homes. In the name of Jesus. They are well, they are blessed. Let this be a week of your questions being answered. Let this be a week of clarity for you. In Jesus' name.
0: Oh, wow. What a service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the city of the Lord Church on 077-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on the city of the Lord Zambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.